be taught and to be challenged from the Word of God. Father, I ask that you would please bless the next few moments. Help me, Father, to say the things that you would have me to say. Lord, I pray that you would help me uh, to be able to have a clear mind. Lord, that you would help me, Father, uh, to be able to be a blessing to these dear people. Lord, they've came to hear from you. They've came to hear from your word. And Father, I pray that you would meet with us in your precious name, I pray. Amen. All right, well, we're there. And... Genesis 39, and this morning we're actually beginning a brand new series on Sunday mornings, and it's entitled Five Keys to Unlocking God's Blessings on Your Life. And for the next five, six weeks, we're going to be talking about how you can have God's blessing, God's favor, God's prosperity on your life. Now keep your finger there in Genesis 39, because that's our text for this morning. But if you would go with me to the book of Psalms, I want to show you a couple verses as we kind of get started into the sermon this morning. Psalm 35. If you're not sure where Psalm is, you just kind of open your Bible, just right smack down in the center, and you will more than likely fall in the book of Psalms. Psalm 35, and if you look at verse number 27, Psalm 35 and verse 27, today there is a movement of preachers and churches that preach what's known as the prosperity gospel. And the prosperity gospel, you may have heard of it, it's the teaching that says, you know, God's going to make you healthy, God's going to make you wealthy, God's going to you know, make you, if you, you sow a thousand dollars into our ministry, God's going to make you a millionaire, and everything's going to be great for Christians. And those uh, preachers and that teaching today is taught by and large by a few verses that the Bible does talk. The Bible talks about God's prosperity and God's blessing. Let me show you a few of them. Psalm 35, if you're in verse 27, the Bible says, Let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yea, let them say continually, Let the Lord be magnified. Now, notice this phrase which had pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. So today, many preachers will stand up and say, see, God has pleasure in the prosperity of his servants, and God wants to make you prosperous. Uh, go to the book of Jeremiah with me. Jeremiah 29, towards the end of the Old Testament, you got those major books of the Bible. Isaiah, Jeremiah. As you turn to Jeremiah 29, I'll read for you from Isaiah 54, 17, just the first part. The verse says, no weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. And all preachers like to quote that verse and say, you know, I'm going to bless you, and no weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. Your enemies won't prosper. You'll prosper. Jeremiah 29, are you there? Look at verse 11. Jeremiah 29 and verse number 11 says this, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expectation and go with me to 3 John chapter number 1 all the way towards the end of the New Testament you got the book of Revelation you got the book of Jude and then you got 3 John it's one chapter 1st, 2nd and 3rd John if you look at verse number 2 3 John verse number 2 the Bible says Beloved I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health and this is a verse that people like to take and say see God wants you to prosper God wants you to be in health even as I so prosper now here's the here's why the message of the prosperity gospel is so popular today. If you listen to TV evangelists and you listen to ministries, you're going to hear a lot of the God wants to bless you, God wants to help you, and, and by the way, God does want to bless you, God does want to help you. But the reason that this message of the prosperity gospel is so prevalent today is because of this. We all want God's blessing and God's favor on our life. I mean, do you not want God to favor you, and God to bless you, and God to prosper you, and God to help you? But here's the problem. Go with me to the book of John, in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. 
And if you're not go, used to going to a lot of passages, uh, welcome to Verity Baptist Church. We like to look at a lot of Bible at our church, but that's okay. If you're not used to it, you can sit back and listen or maybe write them down and, and, and take notes and you can look them up later. But if you're able to go to John chapter number 16, John in the New Testament, you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, John chapter number 16. And look at verse number 33. John 16 verse 33 says this. This is the Lord Jesus Christ speaking, by the way. And he said, these things I have spoken unto you that in me ye might have peace in the world. Now notice what Jesus said. Ye shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. You don't have to turn there, but 2 Timothy 3.12 says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And see, the problem is this. You and I want to believe that God wants to prosper us. We want to believe that God wants to bless us. We want to believe that God wants to favor us. We want to believe that God truly is on our side. And He's going to, you know, no weapon formed against thee shall prosper. He's going to make our enemies, you know, to to not prosper. He's going to make sure that we come out on top. But here's the problem. And here's the problem that a lot of us have. If you look at our lives and you look at other Christians and you look at our society, you will realize that in the Christian life, people go through trials. And people go through struggles. And people go through health issues and marital issues and problems with their children. And the problem we have is reconciling these two thoughts. On one side, you've got the prosperity, health and wealth, name it and claim it. And if God's not making you rich, it's because you're not right with God, preacher. And then on the other side, you've got the conservative, independent, fundamental, soul-winning Baptist preacher that says... You're going to go through trials and persecution and tribulation. And here's the problem. The Bible says both. So there's some tension there. How do you reconcile those two thoughts? And see, the Bible teaches us, I believe, in the book of Genesis, if you go back to chapter 39, in the story of Joseph, we, we begin to see what God teaches in regards to the blessings. We're going to be preaching for the next five weeks five keys, five things you can do to unlock God's blessings on your life. But before we can delve into those, we need to understand and get a proper concept of what it means to be blessed by God and what it means to have God's favor and God's prosperity. Now in Genesis 39, if you look at verse 3, you will notice something about Joseph. Remember Joseph in the Bible? Joseph was uh, highly blessed by God. Look at verse number 3. Are you there in Genesis 39? Verse 3. The Bible says, And his master saw that the Lord was with him. Now notice this phrase. Would you like this out of you? And that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. Wouldn't you like that out of you? Wouldn't you like to say everything you did, everything you did at work, everything you did with your family, everything you did uh, uh, just just in general, the Lord Lord was with you and he made everything to prosper in his hand. Look at verse 4. And Joseph found grace in his sight. And he served him. And he made him overseer. Over his house. Because God favored Joseph. You will learn this about Joseph. Everywhere he went, he became a leader. He was a servant to Potiphar. But he became overseer of his house. And all that he had, he put into his hand. Look at verse 5. And it came to pass from that time that he had made him an overseer in his house. And over all that he had, that, notice this, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house. Don't miss this. For Joseph's sake. Do you see that? Wouldn't that be a great testimony? If your boss at work said, hey listen, the reason I'm not getting rid of you, the reason you will be the last one to get fired, is because I know that God has blessed my business because you are here. Wouldn't that be a great testimony? 
I mean, wouldn't we all want that testimony to be able to be said, like Joseph, that the Lord blessed, not just Joseph, but the Lord blessed his boss and his boss's business. Why? For Joseph's sake. Look, look at verse 5. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house. And by the way, you say, well, you know, Pastor Jimenez, why are you preaching five weeks, six weeks on the subject of unlocking God's blessing? Because I believe this, if a dad or a mom or even a child would decide I'm going to live my life in a way that God will favor and prosper and bless me, I'm telling you, God will bless those in your house just because you're there. Amen. And that ought to be our desire. Now notice verse 6. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he knew not all he had, Save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person. Just notice this phrase. And well favored. Wouldn't you like that said of you? Skip down to verse 21. Look at verse 21 in the same chapter. I want you to notice that Joseph was highly blessed. But the Lord was with Joseph. And showed him mercy. And gave him favor. In the sight of the keepers of the prison. And the keepers of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all that the prisoners that were in the prison and whatsoever they did there. He was the doer of it. Verse 23. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand because the Lord was with him. Now notice this phrase. And that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. I mean, is that not what we want? Is that not our desire? That God would prosper and God would bless us and everything you did, everything you, you, your hand did, God would say, I'm going to bless it, I'm going to prosper you, I'm going to prosper where you work, I'm going to prosper your family, everywhere you go, I'm going to be with you. Look, you got to understand this, Joseph had great blessings. But at the same time, you need to understand this. You keep your finger there in Genesis 39 and go just a couple of chapters before to Genesis 37. Not only did Joseph have great blessings in his life, not only did Joseph have prosperity and favor in his life, Joseph, while having great blessings, was also going through great trials. Do you understand that? Are you there in Genesis 37? Look at verse 23. Yeah, I know you're familiar with the story of Joseph, but let's look at it again. Genesis 37, verse 23. And it came to pass, when Joseph was come unto his brethren, that they stripped Joseph out of his coat, and his coat of many colors that was on him. Remember, Joseph was a young man, and and his dad had given him a coat of many colors. And his brothers were jealous. And Joseph came to check on them, because his dad had sent him. And when they saw him, the Bible says they stripped him of his coat, uh, 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 of many colors that was on him. Look at verse 24. And they took him, and look what it says, and cast him into a pit. And the pit was empty. There, there was no water. Look at verse 25. And they sat down to eat bread. And they lifted up their eyes and looked. And behold, a company of Ishmaelites came from Gilead. And their camels bearing spicery and balm and myrrh. Going to carry it down. And Judah said unto his brethren. Now you got to understand this. These are not thieves. This is not a king. Joseph did not just happen to walk into the wrong side of town. Joseph was going to check on his brothers. His flesh and blood. And they take him, and they strip him, and they cast him in a pit. And now, here come these Ishmaelites going down to Egypt. Look at verse 26. And Judah said unto his brother, what profit is it if we slay our brother? Did you catch that? His brothers were planning to kill him. And he said, but listen, if we kill him, what are we going to get out of that? There's no profit in that. What profit is if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Look at verse 27. Come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites. And let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh. And
and his brethren were content. Then there passed by Midianites, merchantmen, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit. Now don't, don't miss this. And sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver. And they brought Joseph into Egypt. Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers. Great trial. That's, that, that's got to be heartbreaking. Those that you grew up with, those that you should be close, those that should be defending. I mean, Joseph was a little brother. Those that should be defending you and teaching you how to live and, and say, no, you know, little brother, let me show you how to do that. Instead, these are the ones that turned against Joseph, threw him in a pit, sold him into slavery, sent him into Egypt. Go to Genesis 30, uh, uh, chapter number uh, 39, look at verse 1. Genesis 39, where we started. Genesis 39, look at verse 1. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt. Notice, he didn't want to go down to Egypt. He was carried there. He was brought there. And Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh's captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought him of the hands of the Israelites which had brought him down hither and the Lord was with Joseph and he was a prosperous man but notice this and he was in the house of his master he's not a free man the Egyptian so you say Joseph had a lot of blessings Joseph had a lot of trials Joseph had a lot of blessings Joseph had a lot of tribulation Joseph was highly favored by God but at the same time his family's turning on him his family's selling him into slavery now look, this would be enough to make anybody quit on God. But you know, the thing about Joseph is the story gets worse. Obviously we read that Joseph gets to work as a servant. And the, uh, the, the master there realizes, oh this is a sharp young guy. And he makes him overseer. And he prospers him. And he gives him leadership. But then, notice what happens. Genesis 39, look at verse 7. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph. And she said, lie with me. But he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master wadeth. That word wadeth means he, he, he does not know. He wadeth not what is with me in the house, and he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. There is none greater in this house than I. Neither have he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? His master's wife says, Hey, come commit adultery with me. And Joseph says, I can't do that. I can't sin against God. Look verse 10. And it came to pass, as she spake to Joseph day by day, that she hearkened not unto her uh, to lie by her or to be with her. And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business, and there was none of the men of the house there within. And she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. And she left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. And it came to pass when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and was fled forth, that she called unto the men of, the, of her house and spake unto them, saying, See, he hath brought in an Hebrew unto us to mock us. He came into unto me, uh, in unto me to lie with me, and I cried with a loud voice. And it came to pass when he heard that I had lifted up my voice and cried, that he left his garment with me and fled and got him out. Verse sixteen. And she laid up his garment by her until the Lord came home, and she spake unto him according to these words, saying, The Hebrew servant which thou hast brought unto us came in unto me to mock me. And it came to pass as I lifted up my voice and cried that he left his garment with me and fled out. Now is that what happened? No. She's lying. She's saying, hey, this Hebrew guy that you came, Joseph came, and he tried to, 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 to uh, you know, force me. And when I cried, I, he, he left his coat. Now, look, 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 look at verse 19. And it came to pass when his master heard the words of his wife, which she spake unto him, saying, after this manner, did thy servant to me, that his wrath was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison. A place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there 
in the prison. So Joseph was highly blessed. But Joseph was abused by his family. Sold into slavery. He gets acquainted, he gets settled in that slavery. Then he's falsely accused. Thrown into prison. See, we've got to ask this question. How do we reconcile these two thoughts? God wants to prosper you. God wants to favor you. God wants to bless you. But yet you may go through trials. You may go through struggles. You may go through tribulations. How do we bring those two thoughts together? And see, you've got to understand. Here's why we have such problem with this. The problem is we have a false view of God's blessings. Keep your finger there in Genesis 39. Go back with me to the book of Psalms. Psalm 73. Psalm 73. And I'd like you to look at Psalm 73. Now I don't have time to read the whole passage. But just to kind of give you a little bit of a, of a, of a, of a background. Psalm 73 is written by a man named Asaph. And Asaph was a godly man. But Asaph began to look at the world. And he began to look at those people. You know, the people that don't go to church. The people that don't care what God says. The people that don't care what the Bible says. And he started realizing, they've got more money than I've got. And they take more vacations than I take. And they've got more friends than I've got. And Asaph started to get a little backslidden here. Now notice what Asaph says. You understand, he's in a backslidden state. Asaph, uh, I'm sorry, Psalm 73, look at verse 12. Notice what he said. Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. Now notice how he defines prosperity. They increase in riches. Now look, if if that's how you define prosperity, then there's a whole lot of wicked people that are highly blessed of God. But is that not how we normally think of prosperity? Is that not how we normally think of God's blessing? Do we not normally, when we say, God, I want you to bless me, aren't we usually talking about comfort, pleasure? Go to Job. If you're there in Psalm, right before the book of Psalm, you got the book of Job. Remember the story of Job? We'll get more into Job uh, as we continue in this series. He'll be one of the characters we'll be looking at. But if you remember Job, Job, God had used Job to, to kind of test him to be able to show Satan that there were people that still loved God. And remember, Job lost everything and he had done nothing wrong. He was just being tested by God. And Job's friends, remember Job's friends came and they were supposed to come to encourage him. But they ended up just accusing him and saying, Job, you know why this happened to you? Because you're living in sin. Job, you know why this happened to you? Because God hates you. Job, you know why this is happening to you? And by the way, when people go through trials and struggles, when they go through health issues, when they go through problems, we, we are not judge those people and say, this is happening to you because of sin. Now look, it may be happening because of sin. The Bible says, be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. So it may, you may be reaping God's, you know, just wrath on your life for sin. But it may just be happening because you are a Job. Now his friend Elihu comes to him. Now I want you to notice what Elihu says. Job 36, look at verse 11. Job 36, 11. He says, if they obey and serve him. Talking about God. He says, if they obey and serve him, they shall spend their days in prosperity. Now here's the thing, okay? At the end of the book of Job, God... The, the book of Job, the first two chapters are kind of the story of Job. Then the next, you know, few, you know, like 30 some odd chapters are all a conversation going back between Job and his friends. And they're accusing him and Job's defending himself. At the end of the book, God kind of enters that conversation and pretty much tells him everything Job said is right, everything his three friends said was wrong. Okay? So his friends are not correct. But I want you to notice this. Job 36, verse 11. He says, If they obey and serve him, they shall spend their days in prosperity. Now you got to understand this. That is a true statement. We'll see that as we continue in this series on God's blessing. God's blessing is through the door of obedience. 
When we obey God, He promises to bless us. What Job's friends said there is correct up to that point. But here's the problem. He added something to that. Notice the verse, Job 36.11. If they obey and serve Him, they shall spend their days in prosperity. Now notice, here's where it becomes a false statement. And their years in, notice this word, pleasures. See, we often equate God's blessing, equate God's favor, equate God's prosperity to pleasure. How pleasurable is my life? How comfortable is my life? How much money do I have in the bank? What type of car do I drive? What type of clothes do I wear? And you've got to understand this. And here's the statement. Here's the point. Here's the moral of the story. God's blessing cannot be measured by our pleasure. It is measured by His presence. So what are you talking about? Go back to Genesis 39. There is, there is three things that continue to come up in the, in, in the story of Joseph. The first one is that God continues to pour out His blessing, continues to pour out His blessing, continues to pour out His blessing. But as God is pouring out His blessing, we also find this, that Joseph keeps getting just having problems, having struggles, being lied about, being hated for no reason, just being going through trials. But notice, there's one other thing that continues to come up in the story of Joseph. Are you, there? Are you back at Genesis 39? Look at verse 2. I want you to notice this phrase. And the Lord was with Joseph. Now notice what's connected to God's presence with Joseph. And he was a prosperous man. He said, how do I get prosperity when the Lord's with you? The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man. But notice... He was in the house of his master in Egypt. So the Lord was with him. He was prosperous. But then God makes sure to tell us. But by the way, he's a slave. Because see, God's prosperity and God's blessing and God's favor is not measured by pleasure. Do you think that if Joseph wanted to be a slave? Do you think Joseph wanted to be a servant? Do you think Joseph wanted to be in Egypt? Of course he would have rather been home with his family, with his dad, with the people that he loved and the familiar surroundings. He was in slavery, yet God was with him. And because God was with him, he was a prosperous man. Amen. See, God's blessing cannot be measured by our pleasure. It is measured by his presence. Look at verse uh, 3, Genesis 39, 3. Notice how these keeps coming up. And, the, and his master saw, notice, what did the master see? That the Lord was with him, Joseph. Now notice, the Lord was with him. What's connected to that? And the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. Do you see the connection there? Look at verse 21. Skip down to verse 21. Genesis 39, 21. Notice this. But the Lord was with who? Joseph. And because the Lord was with Joseph, and showed mercy, and gave him favor, in the sight of the keepers of the prison. And the keeper of the prison, look at verse 23. Skip down to verse 23. And the keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand. Why? Because the Lord was with him. And that which he did, the Lord... Don't miss it. Made it to prosper. Why did the Lord make it to prosper? Because the Lord was with him. You've you got to understand this. God's blessing cannot be measured by our pleasure. And sometimes you may not be having a lot of pleasure. Sometimes you may not be very comfortable. Sometimes you may not like your surroundings. But that doesn't mean that you don't have God's blessing and God's favor. Because God's blessing and His favor and His prosperity is connected not to our pleasure, but to His presence. Are you walking with Him? Is the Lord with you? 
Now here's why you say, Pastor Jimenez, you know, I, I thought you were going to tell me, you know, I, I, one, two, three, you know, I thought you were going to tell me if I can show up to church at least three times a month, then God is going to make me rich. I thought you were going to tell me if I read X amount of verses, then God is going to keep me healthy. I thought you were going to tell me if I give X amount of money in the offering plate, then God was going to make sure my marriage was successful. That's what we want. We want God to just say, tell me what I got to do. And I'll check it off. I'll do it. And you just bless me. And you just uh, give me prospering. And you just give me everything I want. But that's not how God works. God wants a relationship with you. God wants to walk with you. And if you want His blessing, it'll be the Lord with you. It won't be pleasure. It'll be presence. Now, you say, well, why is this so important? Here's why it's important. This thought had to drive Joseph. That the Lord was with him. It had to be the driving force in his life. Now go with me to Genesis chapter 50, okay? Towards the end, uh, uh, it's the end of the book of Genesis, but this is also the end of the story of Joseph. And I want you to see something. I'm not going to go through the whole story of Joseph, but you've got to understand that Joseph eventually, uh, uh, he's forgotten by the butler. Remember that's part of the story? He's forgotten for two years, but eventually Pharaoh has a dream. Joseph is able to interpret the dream. God miraculously brings Joseph out of prison into the palace. He becomes the second in command at, in Egypt. He becomes a very prosperous man, a very wealthy man in control. A famine comes. His brothers come back and they're begging him for food. He, there's all sorts of interactions. Very interesting story. If you've never read it before, I challenge you to read it towards the end of the book of Genesis. But in Genesis 50, you have Joseph being the main man. I mean, he's the second in command. And his brothers are begging for their lives. And notice what Joseph says in Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20. He says, but as for you. Now you've got to keep this in mind. These are his brothers who stripped him, who threw him in a pit, who sold him into slavery, who separated him from his father. Now notice what he says. But as for you, ye thought evil against me. And notice this, don't miss this. But God meant it unto good. To bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. Now you say, well, Pastor Jimenez, that would be easy to say if I was the king of Egypt. That would be easy to say if I was just the guy in control. But you've got to understand this. For years and years and years and years and years, Joseph lived in a house where he was a slave. And Joseph was in a, a dungeon where he was in prison. And for years and years and years and years and years, he did not give up on God. He did not quit on God. He did not say, God, where are you? God, why have you forsaken me? I'm done with this. It would have been easy when you've been sold into slavery and you're not near your family and your family has forsaken you and you say, why would I even go back home? My brothers hate me. Wouldn't it be easy to say when this woman is saying, hey, come lie with me. My husband will never know. Would it not have been easy for him to say, well, why not? I mean, God obviously doesn't care about me. I mean, I might as well just fulfill pleasure if I'm going to be enslaved. If God's not going to help me, I might as well just do what comes naturally to me. I might as well just do what comes easy. I might as well just have some fun. Would not that have been easy? But Joseph said this, I cannot sin against God. See, he never gave up on God. Because I believe Joseph understood when he was in the pit, when he was in the prison, when he was in depression and he was going through the trial, I believe he understood, hey, God is with me. And I know God's with me. You say, well, why does this matter? Here's why it matters. Many of us go through the pit, go through the prison. But we put on God before we make it to the palace. You've got to understand this. Whatever happens in your life, it's going to get better. 
Go, go with me to the book of Luke. Luke in the New Testament. We're almost done. We'll look at a few more passages. We'll be done. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. Remember when the Lord Jesus Christ was being arrested in the garden before he was put to death? He made a very interesting statement. He said this. Luke 22 and verse 53. He says, When I was daily with you in the temple, you stretched forth no hand against me. Now notice what he says. He's getting ready to be arrested. He knows he's going to be put to death. He knows he's going to be crucified. And he says, This is your hour. And the power of darkness. And see, some of you are in that right now. Or you might have just came out of that, or you're getting ready to go in that. But there are times in our lives when even Jesus had to acknowledge this hour, this moment, this is not what God had for me. This is not what God would, would like to see me go through. But this hour belongs to the power of darkness. When Joseph was in that pit, he must have understood, God is with me. But this hour, it's the hour of darkness. It's the power of darkness. But see, Jesus understood this. There's coming a resurrection. Is that not what we're celebrating, Easter? The resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Go with me to Luke 24. Look at verse 1. We have to read the verses. It's Easter Sunday. Luke 24. Look at verse 1. Luke 24, verse 1. Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulcher, bringing spices which they had prepared, and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher, and they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus you know, I, I, I'm glad that we don't have a religion where we make a sacred place out of the burial place of Christ. Because the body wasn't there. But it was four. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? Verse 6, He's not here. But he is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee. Now you got to understand this. Jesus was able to go through the dark hour. Jesus was able to go through the judgment, through the crucifixion, through the three days and three nights. The Bible says his soul went out to hell. He understood that there was coming a resurrection. That there was coming a day when he would come up victorious from the grave. And you need to understand this. There is a resurrection for you. I mean, do you believe that? Are you there in Luke? Go to John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John chapter 14. Do you believe that there's a resurrection? John chapter 14. See, you got to understand. You say, Pastor Jimenez, my life is in shambles. My family has forsaken me. My family, they stabbed me in my back. And at work, I've been lied about. And at work, I've been falsely accused. And I've gone through all sorts of things. And I just feel like God's not with me. But do you believe that our lives will get better one day when we're resurrected? Christ did. Are you there in John 14? Look at verse 1. John 14, verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. This is Jesus speaking. You believe in God, believe in also, believe also in me. Now, no, don't, don't miss this. Verse 2. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And receive you to myself. That where I am, there ye may be also. Go to Romans chapter number 8. Romans chapter number 8. You, you, you got to understand. See, you say, Pastor Minister, are you going to tell me that it's all going to work out for me in this life? Look, I can't promise you that. I don't know that it will work out for you in this life, but I promise you if you're saved, it will work out for you in the next. Amen. See, Joseph was in a pit. Joseph was in the prison. But one day, he was in the palace. Do you understand that there's a palace? There is a mansion. There is a resurrection. There is a day. I can't promise you you're going to die rich. I can't promise you you're going to die famous. I can't promise you you're going to die with all your love. It may be tragic. You may waste years in prison. You may be sold in slavery. You may be 
tell you this. There is a pit, but there is a palace. And one day, just like Joseph, the king is going to call you up. And just like Joseph, the king is going to call you up to heaven, resurrect you, give you a mansion, give you power. But here's the problem. Most of us quit. Get there. I'm not saying you lose your salvation. I'm just saying this. We go through a struggle. We go through a trial. We go through a hardship. And we say, God's not with me. Why? Because you're out pleasure? God was with you the whole time. You cannot measure God's blessing by pleasure. Measure it by His presence. And Jesus understood. Hey, there's coming. Are you there, Romans 8? Look at verse 18. Paul said, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time I'm not minimizing what you're going through, or what you've gone through, or what you're going to go through. But Paul said, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Hey, one day you'll get to heaven and it will be worth it all. One day you'll get to heaven and everything here will seem like a distant memory. Everything you say, well, yeah, that was tough. I'm sure Joseph understood. I'm sure Joseph in heaven is not complaining that he spent two plus years of his life in a prison or in slavery. I'm sure he understood. Hey, God was with me. And God blessed me. And God brought me through. But you got to understand this. You say, why won't, why, what will keep me from giving up? Here's what will keep you from giving up. If you understood God was with you. Joseph made it because he knew that God was with him. He knew that God's blessings cannot be measured by our pleasure, but it is measured by His presence. Here's a question I have for you. If you understood that God was with you, what could you make it through? Some of you may have health issues, and you may have serious health issues. But if you knew that God was with you, could you make it through that? You may be having marital problems, but if you knew that God was with you, could you make it through those problems? You may have people lying about you. You may have people stabbing you in the back. You may have people hating you for no reason. Could you turn the other cheek? You say, well, I don't know if I could turn the other cheek like Jesus taught. You could do it if you knew the Lord was with you. You could love your enemy if you knew the Lord was with you. You could make it through the struggles if you knew the Lord was with you. Hey, Pastor Menace, why are you preaching this sermon? Here's why I'm preaching this sermon. We're starting a new series on God's blessing and God's favor. And before we start getting into the keys that will unlock God's blessing on your life, we need to understand what God's blessing is. Here's what it's not. You're going to get rich. Sorry to tell you. Here's what it's not. God's going to keep you healthy. I can't promise you that. Here's what it's not. You're always going to be comfortable. I don't know that you will. But He will not leave thee, and He will not forsake thee, and that's how you measure His blessing. And if you understood that, like Joseph, you can make it from the pit. started a series with us at Verity Baptist Church. I would challenge you, maybe you come here regularly, maybe you don't come here, maybe you haven't been here in a while, I would challenge you, would you stick with us for the next five, six weeks? Would you come on Sunday mornings and learn about God's blessing on your life? If you want support it. He wants to bless you. I promise you that. Those verses are in the Bible. It may not be what you're thinking, but He wants to walk with you. Let's pray again. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that You would bless the sermon in the hearts of those that are here. I believe that this was God's message for His people today. And Father, I ask that God... That, that you would help us to understand and you would help us to remember. You would help us to, to, as we go through our lives, to remember that God's blessings cannot be measured by our pleasure. They can only be measured by His